Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. version of my um, YouTube show, The Way with Noah. I know it's, it's, it's redundant, but hey, you know, bear with me. Um, just want to take time out to say thank you to everyone who does actually check in and watch the YouTube show Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Benjamin Dixon Show channel. Um, shout out to the Benjamin Dixon Show host, Ben, ben Dixon, for helping to provide me with the platform and opportunity to share my voice, my words, my vision with you. Um, also, shout out to the rest of the Progressive Army. Um, shout out to Mike Salomon and Podcast Revolution uh, for giving us the opportunity and another platform to reach out and, and share our, our messages, our voices, our stories. I mean, it's so important in this day and age to have representation, not just, you know, in terms of what we visually see in our movies and TV shows and, and characters, um, but also in terms of the voices that we have in our the stories that are told across the media. We need, we, need, we need different outlets and mediums to help express independent viewpoints that are not adequately um, covered in mainstream sources, you know? So again, just so, so this, I titled this episode one. Um, if you have followed me for a little bit or you've gotten a chance to check me out on Stitcher, Google Play, or um, iTunes, there are several episodes of my YouTube show. My YouTube show is converted into MP3 format. And um, so we're here. So thank you. First, I just want to just wanted to, you know, I haven't actually explained this before. Like the show is called The Way with Anoa. I haven't actually explained to anyone um, outside of our internal production team like how I came to that and why that is. Um, my name Anoa, from what my parents have explained to me. Um, my, my, my name means the one who keeps the tradition of the ancestors. Um, and and my my name, my parents, that the version of my name that that, that was Used our parents and name um, came from the book 2006 Seasons. Um, it's by a Ghanaian author, um, and basically the Noahs were. It's a name, but it's also almost like a title. And Noah was the one that was the keeper of the way, right? Noah was the one that helped to make sure that um, the people did not lose their way with the coming of you know foreign invaders and, and changing times. Um, within the, the, the community and culture. And, and the way, you know, the history, the know-how, the, 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 the value system was passed on, you know, from one, you know, through the Anoas to make sure the people always had that guidepost, always had that, 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 that central point to continue to ground them in the way. You know, the, the saying goes, you know, if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. It's, you know, we have to have this focus, this balance in being able to move forward. So um, it just just brainstorming one day. It just it just came in. It was like the way, the way with the Noah. It made sense. Um, 
I'm not some, you know, out there, you know, futuristic leader <laughs> saving you and taking you to the motherland. But I am, you know, a mom. I am a partner. I am a sister, a worker, a struggler. You know, I am somebody out here engaged, active and focused and just trying to help bring a little balanced perspective to many of the issues, to many of the projects and prospects that, that, that sit before us. So thank you all for joining me and taking the time to just listen a little bit and just hang in there. Um, I, I, I've been putting off doing this first podcast. Um, you know, I, I make my I plan it out and I try to set it up. But life is busy, right? Um, there's so much going on in the news and politics and, and but real life is busy and it's consuming and it is hard for us to take the time to get involved, to stop. And, and even I mean, it's, how many of us are even able to pick up a book for enjoyment? Right. Like going through law school, I had to read all the time. It took me a very long time before I was able to 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 find the joy of reading again. And then between raising kids and working, audiobooks have made that a lot easier, of course. But, you know, from raising kids and, and just doing everything else, it's hard to do things that we actually enjoy, right? So it's even, and it's, it's even harder for us after working however many hours, after long commutes, to then go to city council meetings, to then sit down and watch debates or read up on what the latest current events issues are. So that's why I figured, you know, a couple times a week, um, you could join me for a little chit chat, a little conversation about what's going on in the world, what's going on politically, um, maybe even some life hacks on how to get involved where you are, because that's what really matters. I mean, we're in the middle of a, of a 2016 presidential election cycle and president's elections are sexy. They capture our attention. They are, you know, really this one is very charged, you know, emotionally in so many other areas. But. We can't overlook, you know, what has happened in the country, especially in the last eight years, the lack of participation and engagement. We're talking about our local level, you know, offices, we're talking about county commissions, um, civic boards, you know, school boards. I mean, even the lowest level elected positions, they really do matter in having people who actually represent our communities. And so often we're so bogged down or disenchanted or disaffected or just over the process and the, the, the nonsense that we just disengage. You know what I'm saying? We, it, it, it's, it's one more thing on an already full plate. You, you know, so I just I just want to help just provide some some just just some perspective from my point of view, right? I've been a single mom um, for quite some time. Uh, recently, in the past year, <laughs> reconnected with, 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 with my partner from many years ago, the father of my children. So I'm not necessarily a single mom anymore, but I do know, I do know that struggle. I, I spent most of my adult life um, raising children, going to school and trying to carve out a place for myself in this world. And it's hard. It is really hard. I try not to complain too much because I know I'm blessed, but at the same time, People are struggling. I know you're struggling. I'm struggling. Um, even those of us who, who have climbed the ivory tower and graduated and gone beyond, you know, our bachelor's degree and have had advanced, you know, studies, it's still a struggle. It is a struggle. It's futile. It, 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 well, it can feel futile. It can feel defeating at times. I would love, I would love to do nothing more but just be out there on the front lines um, with so many 
of, of, of especially this younger crop of activists that have, that have come up. I, I'm inspired and in awe by them every single day. And so to try and help in whatever way I can in amplifying the voice and reaching out to other folks, you know, you may be listening on your commute, maybe listening in the evening as you're sitting on the line. Um, but I appreciate you. And just, I'm a regular person just like you. We just need to try and stay active and engaged and help have these conversations that we need to have. But also look at how can we make being involved in the process, how can we make this political decision making, which really does need to be put back into our hands? How do we make that more accessible? How do we help disseminate information? Um, I'm really excited this evening. Today's July 7th. Um, I'm really excited because there's a joint venture tonight here in Atlanta with um, African Americans, not African Americans, Black Men for Bernie. I'm sorry. And my other life as a Bernie Sanders supporter, I um, help run African Americans for Bernie. But um, Black Men for Bernie, which has been touring the country, um, you may have seen the big buses and other vehicles and stuff that's been touring the country, you know, um, really trying to engage people around the political process, but also in supporting Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, but Black Men for Bernie and brand new Congress, brand new Congress is a outgrowth of the Bernie Sanders um, revolution, so to speak. Um, with some former staffers and grassroots volunteers have come together to look towards the 2018 election cycle. Because again, like I mentioned, the last eight years have been rough because our midterms and our midterms, people have just, you know, not engaged. And we've seen major losses in Congress, major turnover, and we've had such a stagnant, recalcitrant, and childlike Congress refusing to act in the best interest of the people they're meant to serve. And we have to take that power back. They don't have the power, right? We send people to Congress to work for us, and we have to pull them back and check them. Like, look, who, who do you work for, right? I mean, you work for me in my vote and we need to exercise leverage and engage in that order to make sure that we're being represented adequately because it's, it, it, there should be no reason why some of the stuff that's flying around and happening you know it's because congressional leaders are acting on the best interest of their donors they're acting in the best interest of whatever little small clique they're around but they're not acting in our best interest and that's a problem. So brand new Congress has been formed, just really looking at running candidates on the Bernie Sanders platform, um, flushing things out, but really building out local level groups to um, run strong progressive candidates and in hopes to add more meaningful representation in Congress coming in 2018 and beyond. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's really important because we're coming up on another redistricting, redistricting, redistricting um, year in 2020. So we need that representation going in 2018. We definitely need, if anyone is running, there are several candidates running, you know, now in 2016. Shout out to Cori Bush, Theron Black. Um, there's so many people running right now. Uh, Pramila Jayapal, like, like there's so many folks running right now who need our support, active and engaged. And it doesn't even matter who you were supporting, if you consider yourself a progressive, you know, these are all candidates that you definitely need to look at and see what they're about. Are they in your jurisdiction? Can you afford to drop, you know, three, four, five, seven, twelve, fifteen, twenty-five dollars, you know, in their coffers? I mean, you know, do whatever you can, however you can. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so I I woke up this morning uh, feeling a little numb. I went to bed last night 
um, and had seen, you know, I was watching uh, my big brother, Benjamin Dixon. You know, we try to watch each other's shows and stuff. I moderate and help moderate and talking in the chat room. And he, he was talking about the Alton Sterling murder um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you know, and, and it was already difficult to process and grasp yesterday because um, I was working on a different project, so I had an organization what was going on in the news, was watching news and TV. You know, kind of was on Twitter. I mean, I was on Twitter because I was, you know, promoting for my show Tuesday night, but I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. And, you know, my brother yesterday said to me, like, sis, did you see there's been another killing? I mean, at this point, it's like, are we surprised anymore when this happens? But, you know, the video, which I refuse to watch, because um, I don't need to watch videos to be angry. It makes, it, it makes us angry. It should make us all angry that we have extrajudicial murders that happen, state-sanctioned killings that go on that are unchecked. You know, there there is no change in the process that has been occurring. If anything, we see the backlash in these promotions of these Blue Lives Matter laws, um, which Louisiana actually does have. Louisiana is the first state to have a Blue Lives Matter. Basically, um, you know, it's it's now considered a hate crime if you, if you go after someone because of their their being a public service officer. Um, what that actually looks like, you know, there's already heightened penalties in a lot of places if you attack someone, if they're a police officer or a firefighter or whatever. Um, so to make it a hate crime, when hate crimes are usually reserved for, um, you know, people being attacked based on their race or gender, you know, ethnicity, sexual orientation, it's, it's not even in the same realm you know, um, um, it's not, and, and, and to understand, it's not that police officers and other public service officers should not have protection from unwanted, you know, um, unnecessary, you know, interactions. They should not be targeted by virtue of their office. But what does, what does targeting someone, you know, they gave the example in this Louisiana law of a, of a, of a murder of a sheriff that happened in Texas, right? But police killings, police are more likely to be killed by a car than they are by someone going after them with a gun. So, like, when we look at the actual, what's an epidemic, police murdering people and getting away with it, police abuses of all kinds, police misconduct, it's a pandemic. Um, there are bad practices and bad behavior that are repeated across jurisdictions, across state lines, and there isn't really anything that is being done. There's nothing that's being leveraged. We have these BS, you know, rationalizations about what would a reasonable officer do when do we get to the point where we challenge reasonableness? When do we get to a point where we find a way to challenge that damn standard? Because what is clearly considered reasonable is enshrined in decades and centuries, generations of racialized thinking and stereotypes that somehow black lives, Latino lives, do not count as much as others. You know, many people have pointed out that, you know, police officers somehow can manage to disarm um, crazy white people with hatchets, with guns, people who have murdered, you know, people will have murdered multiple people and somehow they're apprehended safely. And yet, as in this most recent case, you now I'm not talking about all this early, I woke up this morning to learn of, now we have a case in Minnesota, Orlando Castile, um, was murdered by by police 
officers. And stop saying police-involved shooting, right? Like, it's not just that it's a police-involved shooting, you know? I mean, call it what it is. It's an extrajudicial killing or murder. You know, it's, a, it's, 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 I mean, there, there is, there is no reason to keep using these euphemisms. There's no reason to keep downplaying it. We give police way too much consideration and benefit of the doubt. There was a, a shooting over the weekend, I believe, or last week sometime, um, a man was killed um, during a road rage incident with an off-duty cop in New York. Like, you know, I know people were like, well, you know, other people or pe regular people kill people at higher rates, blah, blah, blah. You're more likely. That's not the point. The point is, if I, as a regular citizen, kill someone else, I, as a regular citizen, will be held legally responsible for that. When police officers acting outside the bounds of their authority, when they're just randomly shooting people, or, I mean, is it really random? When you're just shooting people out of fear, which should not be enshrined under some random stereotypes or some, 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 it should not be enshrined as reasonableness. It's not reasonable to be afraid of black men driving cars. It's not. I don't care what the hell Scalia has said. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. It's not reasonable. It absolutely is not reasonable. It should not be permitted to be reasonable. But until we're able to challenge the, what, what has been what's been accepted as, as constitutionally permissible, we need to look at other ways. How? What are other mechanisms we can use to challenge the way police officers not only investigate themselves, in cases where they have to investigate themselves. You know, in some places they have other affiliate, you know, you have other entities that do the investigation, but they're still somehow related and affiliated and never seem to find any wrongdoing. We have a serious problem. We have a problem. But, you know, we talk about body cams and videos. I mean, we have more video access, but that only increases the outrage. That only proves that it happened. I mean, I don't know that video has, increase, you know, I mean, we had video with Rodney King. It's not the video. It's not having, you know, I mean, it's great to have proof, but when it can be open to interpretation, we have police who can be secluded, sequestered for, for days and weeks at a time to get their story straight. When we have those who are supposed to serve and protect and uphold the law, circumventing the law, acting in their own best interest. When we have collusive behavior to conceal criminal activity, we need to, the law needs to respond accordingly. Those who are charging and pursuing charges need to respond accordingly. Those of us as people who are engaged in our communities, we need to demand, we need to be active and engaged and involved. We need to demand that our police departments are adopting administrative rules and procedures to actually address these issues. And it's not just about training. I mean, folks need massive, deeply um, discussion sessions. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Sensitivity training. I really don't know. But if you, you know, if you stop somebody, you know, by all accounts, what we have right now, and what's so tragic about you know, what happened to Mr. Castile is his girlfriend and his child were in the car with him at the time he was murdered. I hope, you know, the officers in, out in St. Anthony are really proud of themselves. You just murdered a man in front of his family. For what? A broken taillight, supposedly? 
I mean, that man should have been given a ticket and sent on his way. If the taillight was even actually broken or out or whatever, give him a warning. I mean, it's just, it's insane. So in this case, because, I mean, it's just so hard. It's just so hard to sit here and think, you know, I mean, he had a permit to carry a, a, carry a, a, a weapon on him. And he let and he did what he was supposed to do. He let the officer know that, that that is what he had on him. He let him know. He explained up front my ID and my register. It's in my wallet. I'm going to reach. You know, he let the officer know. But because you trigger happy, because you don't value life, and it don't matter whether the officers are white or black, when they get in that uniform, they are trained to think and pursue and expect people to be something less than what we are. So by saying in incidents where it's a black cop, for example, that doesn't that doesn't mean the system itself is not ingrained and tried with systemic racism. Just because the person that may carry something out is of the same race as the person who's been murdered, that doesn't change anything. The system still has a problem. The people who uphold the system still have a problem. So what do we do about it? It was really, really interesting. You know, if you're on Twitter, um, check out uh, Black Lives Matter Minneapolis. Um, I think it's Black Lives Matter MLPS is there. there. They had some video and they had some pictures. They went to the governor's mansion. I mean, they don't play up in Minneapolis, you know, shout out to, to um, they, they have some great organizers and stuff like that, up, up, not just around, you know, this type of issue, but just in general across the board um, during the Minneapolis, uh, the Minnesota, during the Minnesota caucuses. I mean, folks organized and got things on, um, you know, got things recognized in their caucus process that is like relatively unheard of elsewhere. So. So we got models for activism out there. We got models for community organizing out there. We got models of how people who come, I know it's hard. I know we got to run kids to swim lessons and sports outings. I know it's hard because you might not have the extra money to spare to even, you know, if you work in two jobs. I mean, we all got our different crosses to bear. We all got different things that's going on in our individual lives, but we can't continue to be so bogged down by the process of surviving that we miss out on living that we were not able to be engaged. Um, even if as a family, you, you, you rotate out, one person in the family is responsible for representing that family at whatever's going on. I mean, we just gotta find a way. We pair it with friends. You know, I'll go to this meeting, you go to that one. I mean, I don't know, but this is a conversation I wanna continue having with you all. You know, wanna continue how to make a way. I mean, how do we make a way to be involved? How do we make a way to change the stereotypes? How do we make a way change the narrative. I mean, how many of these damn killings are we going to have to deal with? How many are we going to have to put up with before we actually get meaningful response? And, 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 and it's not just that I want to see cops held accountable when they kill people for no reason, when they kill people without provocation. I want to see them stop killing people, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, settlements. I mean, when are we as citizens of communities that pay out large settlements to families? When are we going to stop saying like, hey, y'all need to do something different? Because, you know, we subsidize bad behavior of these officers. Folks will, if any of us in our regular lives cause our employers to have to pay out, whether it came from insurance, whatever it be, we'd be fired. We would not be able to exist where we are. We would not be on paid leave. 
you would not be on paid vacation. That's basically what administrative leave is. It's a paid vacation because, oh, well, you just go sit over there and we'll get this straightened out and then you can come back. Like, no. You know, just reading about Mr. Castile this morning, um, he was an honor student in high school. He was a cafeteria supervisor at a, a Montessori school in St. Paul. I went to St. got a chance to go to St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul when I was when I was uh, 18. Um, I spent the summer working for IBM right ahead of my first year of college. And it's a, uh, I mean, it's an area that I really liked a lot. Um, but this is someone, you know, by the initial councilman's family was respectable, was responsible. Um, but they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you this, right? They're gonna try and search for even the article I'm reading right now from I read this morning from Star Tribune still mentioned, even though the family said he was never in any trouble, never had any issues, blah 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 blah, great upstanding person, has been his job about 15 years, you know, there's still a line in there about how he had some petty misdemeanors. What what does that have to do with anything? I mean, seriously, when you bring I mean these attempts to dehumanize, these attempts to try to um find some way to support police narratives of threats and danger. Like, if this were a court of law, that type of stuff would not even be permissible because it's not relevant. It has nothing to do with anything that's going on. And all it does is reinforce the stereotype or the narrative that somehow, some way it was deserved, that somehow, some way that that person was dangerous and needed to be put down. We are not animals. We are not animals. We are we we are not going down without a fight. Like you can't continue to do this. And it's hard. It is hard as a black mother in America. It is hard as the partner of a black man in America. It is so hard. It is so hard. You know, thinking about this woman, this woman, this, this case, like his 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 girl, his partner, she 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 videotaped, she videotaped the aftermath of what was happening to have it documented. Like like you, I know you hear it in my voice this morning. Like it's painful. It is so painful. When are we going to stop and say that this just ain't right? It don't matter whether you black, white, Latino, Asian. It don't matter. Like this just ain't right. It just ain't right. This is supposedly this great democracy we have here, but this just ain't right. This ain't okay. You know. You know they they talk about well if only people were doing the right thing. People were doing what they were supposed to be doing. People, Alton Sterling had, he, he had a working relationship with the store owner whose parking lot he was in, in a storefront, he was outside of selling CDs. He was not the issue. He was not causing anyone any problem. He was just a man trying to find a make a way to feed his family. I mean, you know, we can pass all the amendments. We can sign all the proclamations. But but the way our lives are treated in the eyes of law enforcement and the legal system, the injustice system as a whole, that three fifths, that's never left. I mean, we might get an indictment rarely, but to get a conviction is even rarer. But I don't even want to be resting on my laurels of the possibility of actual punishment for something. Right. Think about what happened. With, with, you know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many. I mean, someone, someone, you know, mentioned how they were reminded. Um, it's hard. <laughs> I can't even get the words out. Um, this is my first 
podcast. I appreciate you guys. I promise I will not be weepy. Please hang in there with me. Um, you know, I'm just trying to bring you what I think is good, meaningful content and, and conversation. And I'm sorry to stop short, but like, I can't. I thought I could and I needed to, but it's hard. And I sit here just thinking about my son who's away for the summer. Um, you know, Tamir Rice's case shook me as I look at my son, who is big for his age, bright child, <laughs> loves the paintball gun his father got him for Christmas. <laughs> and why should we have to thwart? Why should we have to dwarf our kids' experience? Why should we have to limit their innocence? I mean, it's because other people don't have it right. It's hard. It's real hard. Um, it's weird. I have a weird, weird sense of relief, though. My son is in West Virginia for the summer. Be back in another week or two. Um, in a small, you know, secluded, well, not secluded, but a very inclusive community where we know absolutely everybody on the sun, everybody knows Max. Um, not that that necessarily, I, I mean, whether that actually makes me safer than being here in Atlanta in the summertime, running around in the streets on his bike for the spring. In some ways, I feel safer knowing that my son is in a safe and secure environment where everybody absolutely under the sun knows him, knows who he is. Versus just being here where he's another black face in the crowd. It's hard. It's not even logical. It's not even. I remember the very first time uh, Craig and I, when we first started dating, we were actually having an argument as we were driving. I remember he got pulled over. He didn't stop all the way at a stop sign or didn't use his turn signal or had didn't have it. No, his turn signal was not on. It, it was too short. He did it too quick or some nonsense like that, right? First time we get pulled over, and you know, Craig is a Craig is a big man. Craig is six five. Um, at the time, he was probably wasn't as big, it wasn't as stocky as he is now. It was back in the day, but Craig's six foot five. And um, we got pulled over, and this is the first time I really remember being pulled over ever. And so I was like really irate that we got pulled over. I was ready to take that badge numbers. I was hot, and he was just like he calmly said to me because he's a big guy. And so he is, he's used to people being scared when they see him. Gentle giant, just like my, just like our son. He's a gentle giant, most kindest and, and, and caring person. You know, will go out of his way for anyone and everything. Wonderful with children, hardworking man. But, you know, because cops get trigger happy, they get scared. And they're absolutely unnecessary and excessive because they have to be in control of the situation. There was no reason, this is like 2000, 2001, there was no reason for for him to be pulled out of the car the way he was. And granted, he was quite taller than both of the cops. And because of that, you can tell they reacted with excessive force because they felt they had to control him for not having his turn signal on long enough. Now, I don't say this to compare it to anything that anyone now is going through, but I say this because you know, it's a blessing because that situation could have went so different. Could have went very different. 
you know, it was only like a few years later, not even a few years, where they were, there was a series of killings of black men in the over the Rhine area in Cincinnati. We were in Columbus at the time. It was hot. That was that was a hot time. You know, we had some in Columbus too. Um, but now with social media, now with you know people with video cameras on their phones and stuff, people are more aware of what has already been happening. So how do we make a way? How do we make a way forward? How do we make a way? How do we change this high? How do we protect the lives of our loved ones? And it's not just our men, it's our women and girls too. I mean, how do we make a way? That's that's what I'm here to talk about. So I appreciate you guys for hanging in there with me. I know it's a lot of stream of consciousness. Usually I'll be so much more planned and prepared, but I just need to give you some honest, raw info, emotion to kick it off. So thank you very much. I hope to talk to you all soon. Tune in. Um, again, The Way with Anoa is on Tuesday nights on the Benjamin Dixon Show YouTube channel at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And I will be providing you with um, podcast content minimum three times a week, starting today, July 7th. So appreciate you lots. Um, check us out on thewaywithanoa.com. Check out the podcast Revolution. And I'm out. Peace.